Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. the night aboard the C2, and all through the ship. The radar wasn't stirring, not even a blip. The crew all journaled without a care, for they had the hero's journal to help them prepare. McKenna, an elephant on two legs, wrote snug in her bed, I am thankful to not be wed. The sharp shooting of Clive, and the formation of this beautiful hive. Visions of being better, a more centered loxodon dancing in her head. Clive snuggled down to write in his tattered clothes and cap. Today, I learned to dance. It was exhilarating, the best I've ever felt. Now, for me, it's time to nap. Pleased, he was headed towards his goals. He prepared for the dark place and a good night's nap. Then, there there was Atlas, who goal set with a clatter. Become more powerful, find the monster from his past, take care of the last loved ones in his life. He was the strongest in the universe, but even so, he needed goals that matter. Over a year and with a flash, the hero's journal made them all better with a whooshing wash. Increasing productivity, mindfulness, and goal-accomplishing flow, they found the heroes to the journey lay within them just below, complete with pictures that make the fun appear. Each page is a magic story like flying reindeer. Recognize who wants to be quick? The journal makes accountability, visualization, and development fun in a flick. Their colors, quality cover, and Discord community are the bomb! So check them out now at heroesjournal.co. Wow! Here we go. Roll for initiative. Alright guys, hello, hello. Welcome to this June Q&A. We are going to be going over some of the actually up to speed of the most of the episodes we've done. I think only one episode has not come out from our repertoire and that is one where we go further into the dream state with Clive. So this is an exciting thing where none of us have to worry about holding anything back. Um, as usual, I am your host and GM, Isaac Yorks. And I'm joined by. I'm Courtney, and I play Ray Byrne. I'm Nathan, and I play Atlas. Cool. And per usual, this episode's brought to you guys by the Heroes Journal. Super exciting. Uh, for those of you who have been following them, you know this, but they finally came out with their third edition book. It is a spaced themed journal full of quotes and full of beautiful art that runs like a comic strip. 
you should go check them out see what they got to offer they have helped us out quite a bit and we are excited to see them doing a theme similar to the episode um but without further ado guys so we have come to this place we are here just on the verge and we've been talking a bit about having a mid-year break um and i would say once we clear up some business with fable gloom then i think we're going to go into the mid-year break so sometime next month those of you guys who are avid listeners you will find that there's going to be a break in the episodes that is going to last anywhere from a month to six weeks and we're going to rehash and talk about what worked over the course of this half year what didn't work we are going to still record episodes um, and play the game and partially because we love playing this game but also partially because it gives doing this meteor break gives me a chance uh to build up a stash of episodes if you will so that way i'm not slammed week after week and with us having a baby it has kind of caused me to burn through what we had in stock of episodes so i need to kind of reload that if you will um but yes so I think that this might be the last kind of Q&A backstage episode until we reconvene. So with that in mind, guys, what are some things that have been on your minds? What are some topics you've been wanting to talk about? Let's just jump into it. Yeah, so you are now running two different distinct games. One with Clive and one with Atlas and Ray. Um, and I'm curious how you feel like that's going. What are, what's the pros and cons of that? What's, is it fun? Is it stressful? What are your thoughts behind that? I think it's incredibly fun. Um, it's not really stressful. I think, I think the only part that's like mildly stressful is like finding a way for the stories to reconvene and come back together. Uh, but usually the players kind of figure that out. I think it's really exciting because... We, we started this season two, if you will, in a place where instead of me guiding the players along, now that they kind of had a, a reason to be together, the story has been their choice on where to go. And it's just so worked out, worked out that Sam wanted to take Clive to figure out some of his past. And it didn't line up with the other players. And he's becoming... I'm, it's been fun because I get to have this one-on-one and see what makes Sam tick, what, what is like the driving force behind him. I get to see him develop this personality in a very intimate setting that is not possible or not easily possible in a big group. And I think that's really fun. And then it also makes it a little bit easier to kind of do that with the other two. Um... And then, of course, I liked the challenge. And challenge being D&D is centered around combat a lot of times. And anytime you split the party, it gets more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I don't really pull back from, from that. So so is that like a beware? Or is that like that's what the fairies were and why Atlas turned into a weasel? Because we didn't have Sam? 
I don't if you had had Sam, I don't I don't know because Clive has a totally different set of skills. And odds are you add a third person in and someone pulls something out and is able to. So that probably did that. But I didn't bring the the Windwalkers in to be like, oh, I'm going to teach you a lesson. If you'll recall, uh, and I don't think that I kept this cut into the episode because it, it just added too much. But we rolled a die 100 within the travel state and the result you rolled on was the number that actually meant that you kind of ran into these like windwalkers or these pixie fairy type creatures. Mm. So that just kind of happened to be. And then it just, your guys' interaction with it worked out <laughs> perfectly where, you know, they couldn't really kill you, but they could harass you a shit ton and they could burn through all your inspiration, which was great for me. That was clever. Okay, speaking of the windwalkers... Atlas, you turned into a weasel. Yes. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, I admit it was kind of demeaning in a sense. <laughs> I was kind of uh, oh yeah, like the one moment where I was kind of uh, useless, completely. There's like nothing I can actually do. Entirely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sleeping. Yeah, weasel. that would make it even worse too. Is that I, I was sleeping. <laughs> I love that visual of your clothes like falling down <laughs> around you and just <laughs> Cuz what what is what is Alice's hair color again? Isn't it like It's like white? a silver, yeah, like gray or like a silver silver white, yeah, yeah so like, I'd say. So imagine like the silver ferret or weasel <laughs> just snoring out. Maybe like this this weasel didn't skip leg day, so he's like that's really buff <laughs> massive thighs, <size>, yeah. <laughs> he's like one of those uh you know, like the pits that are like real muscular, like real, but small, mm. but they're like really muscular. That's like the weasel. Just this small, ripped yes. little weasel. Yes. Roided out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Yuki, you were pretty useless too at a certain point, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, no? No. No. Okay. No. We'll just, we'll just skip through all that happened. Yeah. I don't remember ever being useless. Okay, okay. Well, we can we can skip that and move on to something that I think will intrigue you a little bit more. All right. What were your thoughts on Ostrod's dragon? Mm. I I really felt like Ostrod's dragon had more of a personality than than any other dragon. Um Yeah, it seemed more alive. It had more character um and was really kind of fancy like more elaborate in the inside Mm -hmm. than other ones we'd seen um and ray so like ray did because ray came her background is she used to be a pirate mm -hmm. before she ended up in basically indentured servitude yeah so does ray have like a like a sticky hands problem was she did was it because the dragon was different that she was interested in it like what what were ray's thoughts around it and can you confirm did she want to steal it or not oh she definitely wanted to steal it um and i think because it was like fancy and different um that's what was drawing her to it and like just like knowing like something is unique about this dragon um and wanting to figure out what that was Mm-hmm. 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 
That makes sense. You know, while we're on the subject of Ostrad, I mean, Ostrad's going to be the subject of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Let's take a step back. Because we never discussed from the time you guys took the job to getting onto his dragon to then feeling like something was off because Ostrad doesn't have a very good poker face. Mm-hmm. And you guys snooping around while you're in air and learning that there are six other dwarves. Can you get what were your guys' initial thoughts on that? Okay, I'm really curious to hear Alice's thoughts on that one. On the dwarves themselves? Just discovering that we tr- there were six <laughs> crew members. Um To be honest, I was kind of surprised we didn't like realize in a sense at first. Or like like also I'm curious how they got on the ship, but also knowing how the dwarves are, I feel like they're at least in Starlight at least, it seems as if uh or these ones from the guild are at least tech savvy and kinda know what they're doing. Um Yeah, but I did not I don't know. It the personalities is what kinda got me though, in a sense. Um because there's this you have six Six dwarves are all basically completely different. Um, kind of reminded me of uh, the what was the old thing? It's sleep. I think it was Sleeping Beauty. Was that the correct one? Oh, had, like, uh, the, yeah. Where you, what, you guys yeah, you, you have like all, all these multiple guys. personalities, but it was cool because like it took it to an ex- not an extreme, but it, it took it to like more in depth. I feel like than just like people's moods. Like they were all just like completely different people. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's. I loved it. I don't think Alice minded too much because I think it was more just because they didn't seem like a threat. Um, if they're more right, because that was the concern yeah. that it was like, what are mm-hmm. you hiding? This is dangerous, and then it's just a bunch yeah. of buffoons. That's. I think once he kind of learned that they were all not as. I don't know. They weren't like really aggressive or have any issues. Then, I mean, one of them, Knife Girl, was a little weird. Um, and then Are I you know, referring to me? No. You're the other, the dwarf. Oh. The one that sat outside your room and sharpened her knife the whole yes. time. Yes. <laughs> trying to be friends with you. Yes. Okay. I have to admit, I was so impressed by your ability to play seven different personalities and do it so well. And it made me a little bit nervous that seven different personalities are in your head. <laughs> well... Yeah, you're stuck with me, and so you'll <laughs> you'll see them occasionally. <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs> that was creepy. That was yeah. creepy. Um, and in regards to what I thought, I Courtney thought it was super fun. Um, Ray, on the other hand, was immediately annoyed. Um, I think a by not realizing beforehand, like before the ship had taken off. And B, those personalities are just obnoxious to Ray. Everything about them. Um, from the way they look, to the way they smell, to the way they talk, to every part of them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's mean. And like that many people like pulling one over on her. It all just, it didn't feel right. Oh, uh, so it's more like her pride was hurt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Huh. I was slightly worried because uh, I remember Ray had a thing for people hating like or the tea shop for rats and everything. But mm-hmm. then um, it seems as if Ray hates dwarves. 
for whatever reason. She's a little dwarfist. <laughs> a little dwarf. <laughs> even yeah. though, even though her, her herself is uh, somewhat of a dwarf in height and size. Nathan Koontz. Oh, didn't you? Also you were trying to Koontz? make an enemy. Oh, she did have a beard at one point. <laughs> no, that's why she's dwarfist now. <laughs> Because of the beard experience. Okay, well, I think she's had all negative experiences with dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. But the experience you had with uh, Atlas is... Uh, I should have all the names right in front of me. The, uh, I can't up? remember her name. Um, The mechanic who helped... The mechanic oh, who helped Ray um, with her date. That was a good experience with a dwarf. Oh, did I, I write that down somewhere? That was an experience with a dwarf that ended up Ray in a weight room with Atlas giving her a dress design and a beard stuck to her face. Okay, but see, that's important. That's not a good yes. experience. Yes, yes. Lila. That Sorry, was I not just... a good experience for Ray. Okay, but here's the thing. Is that not a good experience for Ray or is that not a good experience for Courtney? Because does Ray actually know better? Do you remember how embarrassed Ray was when she <laughs> pulled the person in the corner? Oh, that's true. She did yeah, learn she, that. It, somebody, yeah, somebody explained it to her. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if, if the person had never explained that to Ray, would she have gone around thinking she was the shit? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I messed that one up. For sure. Oh, yeah. that would be so funny to have you, like, role play through. Because she's just so, like, unaware. So unaware of, like, what's what's fashion, what's style. Like, she's just really good at killing people. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I'm... Thankful you didn't kill all the dwarves that in there because I know you threatened it that a couple times. Held potential. Um, <clears throat> as far as the dwarves being techie and getting one on over on you guys, so yes, they are techie in their fields. Uh, only maybe a few of them are like great at a couple different things. But pulling back the 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 hood on this, so to speak. The dwarves didn't sneak on the the ship uh, after you guys did. Ostrad made sure that they were hiding before you guys took off, and so they were they they were hiding in stowaway compartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did behind this the scene, and this is a good trick for any DM, is your players have a passive perception score, and I took the average of all the dwarves for their stealth which happened to be plus three the ship's pretty pretty impressive so with it being an unfamiliar environment to the players i figured that the dwarves would be able to roll with advantage on that so i rolled with advantage of a stealth roll with plus three and had then i compared that to their passives perception which is why I didn't say anything in terms of hints as to being more people until they started investigating. And when we saw the dishes on the table. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Nostra tried to tell us it was like he had breakfast, a, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, like yeah. That. He was like, I have a different, it's a meal from each like day or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Just left out. Yeah. So. Yeah, not a good liar. No. no. But does that make him more endearing? Did you. Before his untimely demise, did that come to like make you like him a little bit more, or was he always just kind of like he's just like, eh? I don't really care. Um, I think I kind of got. I mean, I didn't, to be honest, the whole time I obviously everyone kind of knows, um, or will know that uh, I kind of just wanted one of Ostrad's eyes in a sense. 
<laughs> oh, I, it's it's known. It's out there. Yeah. Did you get his eye? I forgot. No, they like burnt out or something, right? It was like, uh, or like no, no, no not really no. that it burnt out. It was just that he, I don't know. I felt like I don't know actually why I didn't take take him. Maybe it was just uh, like the respecting the dead thing. Not just yeah. Might have he, not like, been told a great... us the truth. I like I respect. I think Alice like, respected the fact that he actually like told us everything, even knowing like the what would happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was funny. I had so many doubts that he would actually like explode. Um, and then when it was happening, I was like, "Wait, this is really happening! Like he's actually <laughs> exploding it right now before us." Yeah. 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 yeah it was... I didn't really feel. I don't know. He. I think I felt a little bit bad at the very end because he did that. It was more like a out of respect kind of thing. And then. I don't know. I feel as if I knew. And we might learn it later on or who knows, but knew more about the guild itself. And like. It's sounding almost like the. Uh, like a group that's um uses the phrase like for the greater good like all that time mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like one of those groups that like oh it's for the greater good so we'll just massacre these people or we'll do this or that and it's like or we'll experiment on these people um so yeah it'll definitely be interesting to kind of see and then i feel i mean obviously he's already dead but probably have like a little bit more respect maybe an afterthought or like a sad thought after for uh him dying yeah, I could see I could see him Atlas having like more of like a respect of just like him knowing he was gonna die. So. Yeah, because we never really bonded. Like it wasn't like a it wasn't like his like his own crew or whatever. So no, and and the more you guys like caught on to him being kind of like deceitful for an understandable reason, the squirmier squirmier he got around you guys, mm-hmm. and the more he pulled out away from you. Yeah. So. Okay, now we know the truth around dragons, though. Yeah, what are you guys... I'm, I'm very curious. What are your thoughts for that, about that, or what questions do you have for me? First of all, it's a n- crazy idea. Um, so I just want to affirm, again, that there's something wrong with your brain. Thank you. And second of all, I think there's... You have to be really twisted to take is this more about my brain no it's more like the idea behind it like to take a dragon egg and intentionally disable it to become a means of transportation Mm -hmm. like that's crazy and the rest of the universe doesn't know but you guys do now and now everyone's like driving around these dragons that they don't know. Well, okay, it, it's not everyone. The majority of people still <clears throat> use starships. Uh-huh. It's a very like, like I don't know if I ever I, I've mentioned mentioned it, but I don't think I've ever like done it justice. The fact that a bunch of like, but three people, Clive, who doesn't look like he's gotten a new pair of clothes in a long time, hmm. Ray, who's a bit shifty eyed and you know a little little on puts people on the edge dwarfish yeah and then a um <laughs> a, <laughs> a dwarfish a acer grunt 
you know, as far as like a lot of people okay. are going to be concerned. The fact okay. I know, I know, some for everyone. The fact that you guys have a dragon is something that makes people scratch their heads. It's like a very like, it'd be like it, it's like wealthy like people a having a private jet, yeah, or having oh, a Bugatti, yeah. It's crazy, and like for because of how like it provides a bunch of benefits that make travel so much easier um although it's not necessarily like a better fighter uh piece of equipment than a starship but it, that's also the reason why the military or like large military organizations aren't going to have dragons is it's just too expensive to replicate the fighting machines you need wait i'm curious you just reminded me that we have a dragon is this good Thing that we can communicate with. You'll have to try and find out. But Ostrad was pretty connected to his dragon and even referred to it in a very uh, personish way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe he said that it chose him. Hmm. Interesting. Well, none of us are very um, skilled in interpersonal relationships. <laughs> and so we'll see who it bonds with first well actually atlas is starting to level up in that realm <laughs> surprisingly enough in interpersonal relationships more than when he started but he started at like zero and so or like negative 10 so now he's at like negative three no no i think he's at like five what yeah and clive's you at know? like 15 out of what a hundred yeah. okay no clive's probably at like 30 or 45. He's and a, raised in the negatives. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's but, what I want to keep her. Yeah. But um, hold up. Before we before we go too far, let's let's touch base back to this conversation about the dragons and stuff like that. Um, as you learned Atlas, Nathan, mm-hmm. the significance of it, tell me what were your thoughts as Nathan and then what was Atlas's thoughts as he was getting that information revealed to him? As Nathan, I'd say that the whole idea of and it's pretty fascinating. Also, I want to learn more about it because the big thing is, is that I don't know. In like normal, like just say like just base D and D, you have like the fantasy like dragons and everything. There's these I don't know fantastical creatures and everything. But in this world, as of right now, in Starlight. We know dragons is also well. We did know dragons as being just like spaceships or starships in a sense, um, but now it's like I don't know. It like opened a door to are we gonna fight a dragon? <laughs> but um, but also like I, I had to throw that out there because obviously it's like everyone's little well, you're in a book kind of thing. But hey, it's not written off. It's not. It's not. It's a possibility. Yeah. But also more that um I think that both that uh Alice wants to see more about the guild because if they can control dragons and then make them into these types of machines in a sense, um then he obviously wants to know more about what else they're doing or what else they can do. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. Because well, like, I mean, dragons. Yeah, it's just the dragons itself is just insane. And Alice obviously doesn't have the like. 
I think intelligence or knowledge or even like interest in the fact of more the te not technological side of it, but more what other experiments are they doing? Because then it just goes back to him thinking or trying to find out basically um, kind of just what's going on or like who did what. Mm. Well, it's like the, it's like a, affecting the entire Dragonborn race. Because if I recall correctly, you guys you guys have had a few brush in with Dragonborn, and then even Nathan and I did a like a separate story bonus story. Oh, I remember that now. Wait, how are all those interconnected? I, well, you know, that's something I can't quite tell you at this point. But I am affirming that you've had a few... Because, Courtney, you were in a bonus episode where... Uh, I remember. See, it was the, the white dragonborn was trying to escape. Yeah. Then that intersected in your guys' story of playing the you actual suck. characters when you found the ship of that... Or the escape pod of that dragonborn that had broken the shield wall. Yeah. Um... And then Nathan and I did a bonus episode where he, we both played two. Uh, I'm forgetting the name. What were what what were the name of that that race of creature characters we played? The race. Yeah. Do you remember what race it was? I I can picture them. They're white skin, bald, uh, on critical role grogs. Oh, uh, uh, Goliaths. Goliaths. Yes. So mm. we play we played tribe members. Goliath tribe members of a almost like a stone age, not stone age, but like Native American timed bronze era of these characters where they ran into Dragonborns uh, arriving on their planet. Hmm. Oh, I'm so curious how all this connects because mm -hmm. I. Like, I can see the value in, like, saving a dragonborn egg now, especially because dragonborns don't have very many... They, they don't re reproduce quickly, do they? They... The dragonborns themselves reproduce. The eggs that allegedly, according to Ostrad, belong to dragons are a finite amount that have been harvested... And wrestled away from the dragonborn. And the eggs are, according to the dragonborn religion, they, well, I'm going to tell you guys this because it doesn't really matter. Um, but Ostrad didn't say this, but the eggs are, the dragonborn are meant to guard the eggs because one day it's said that the eggs will hatch and that dragonborn dragons will come forth again so in the religion the dragonborns are almost like the protectors of these eggs and then also it is foretold that when a time of great change is needed bahamut or tiamat will come forth and bahamut is said to save the world and put it on a better path and tiamat if the world is beyond saving is going to consume it so that it may be reborn once more Sorry, I don't see the connection to the eggs between Bahamut and Tiamat. Oh no, I'm telling I'm the dragonborns were supposed to connect it or pr oh. protect them. And you asked if they reproduce quickly. Okay. So what I'm saying is the eggs are separate from the dragonborn. Their connection is 
that they are basically like entrusted Protecting. over generations and generations. These eggs have been passed down. Yeah. And now you have the guild has come in and has started taking them and somehow, uh, I don't know if I would say the right word is forcing them to hatch, you know, mm-hmm. maybe forcing them to hatch. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'll leave that. And turning the eggs into the dragons. The ships, the dragons, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm so curious. (laughs) And Atlas has one of those set eggs. Oh, why don't you just give it back, Atlas? What? (laughs) That's the right thing to do. Give the eggs back to the dragon. If you want to take this on a dark twist where you guys are just like not good guys or bad guys ransom it back to the guild for a shit ton of money i want a dragon what the <laughs> heck i'll be the true dragonborn okay <laughs> we have a dragon no but i want a dragon dragon but the eggs oh i just got this image of atlas in a really hot room sitting on the egg until what it if, hatches what if <gasps> atlas raised tiamat from a baby I don't know. Like a It'd be gl- reincarnation like thing. Yeah, it sounds like you'd be raising like the Antichrist. I'd be the father of the Antichrist, though. <laughs> Wait, like, rem- I have the power to literally decimate the world. <laughs> oh wow! What what great parenting goals that is. That's, um, that's our goal with our baby. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but that just reminds me. Do you remember when we played that? You referred to the episode. With the dragonborn you're escaping? Yeah, so that was the bonus episode where the story being told was of two pirates yeah. who are bumbling idiots. Mm-hmm. And so they were sent down into the storage rooms to make sure nothing was forgotten. Yes. But the storage rooms were, they stored eggs. Now that I think about it. No, 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 no. They weren't storing eggs down there. There were like two dragon, there were two dragonborn, one elderly, one this younger uh, dragonborn and you guys found them hiding as they were trying to like make their way to escape and they just had one egg yeah but or, no, no, I think they, they, storing... had, they actually had two eggs and one of them fell and broke but were they storing those eggs in that facility you is mean, my question well they were in a spaceship um, down in that room do you remember all those that, that hay yeah that was just stuff being like you'll remember that there was a there was a room that had there were two rooms that had dirt and um and grass and stuff like that yeah yeah okay so they were just like growing food yeah and there was other stuff there as well but they they only had those two eggs of which the pirates broke one yes i imagine that being very traumatic now that i look back yeah yeah <laughs> All right. That's what give me ideas now for when Alice becomes the uh, dragon ruler. <laughs> <laughs> Comrade dies, swears revenge, instead destroys the world. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's not the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things not going to plan, uh, you guys were expecting to find Fable Gloom, and you guys did find Fable Gloom, but first. You found our latest guest, Jorstak, the dark elf who is slowly mutating into some mix of a dragonborn. 
who is looking for answers as to why this is happening to him and what the dwarves have been doing to his homeworld. Tell me a little bit about that, because I was dying laughing as Courtney was harassing the heck <laughs> out of out of Jordan, who plays Jorstak. Uh, what were your thoughts as you found this this poor guy stuck behind the glass in this room? Oh, I was ready to have him have someone else kill him because, like, it, just to convince him he was um, Fablegloom. I thought that would have been so funny. Although Ray would have thought it would be so funny, not Courtney. I really like um, Jorstak, and I like. Oh gosh, what's his name? Who plays Jorstak? Jordan. Jordan. Don't tell. I hope Jordan doesn't listen to this. Um, and I think Jordan's a great <laughs> guy, and Jorstak's a super fun character. Um, and brought like a level of. It felt like a combination of like seriousness to the game, and then like the push forward like to keep it going in a way that I think really helps us. Yeah, he I really like just like the same way I like all the different ways you guys have uh play the game. Mhm. Jordan has a very unique way in which he plays and the way he he narrates his thoughts yes. is very funny. Yes. I, 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 I'm just trying to do good out here, man. Yeah. I, I, I love it. <laughs> that He's, was a great so reenactment. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I think the Jorstak character himself is pretty cool. Um, with that being a dark elf and half dragon. When I heard about that, I was pretty fascinated with that. Um, I also do want to learn why uh, later on. Obviously, why he's like slowly mutating. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Jordan's pretty cool. I enjoyed his like character and like his... Um, I don't know the right words for it. If it's character acting or... Um, Isaac might know. I, I don't know the right terminology Is for it. His persona? Oh, yeah, probably. It was just... Yeah, he did good at, like, just playing his character, and then... Also, I know that he's not... He doesn't play D&D all the time, so he was very good with just kind of getting into it and not, like, shying away from it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's pretty solid at that. And it, I kind of was... I thought he'd be pretty good just because I've known Jordan for a while. I mean, we met... We really met in Toronto... And we were both on Team USA, and we so we were basically right next to each other in the rooms. And I got to meet him, and uh, it's just like he told me he did all this cosplay. He was completely outgoing. I remember listening to his interviews at USA's, and his he obviously has these dreads, and he was like, "I'm just like Shikamaru out here, man." And I was like, "Who is this guy doing?" And he he's doing this like on you know national television, or just like this guy is awesome. So yeah. He, he seems like just a fun guy to know. Yeah, and his yeah. character is really interesting. The backstory is good. It's all his idea. Um, I, and regardless, that's going to get shared because in the episode, the last episode, uh, Truth and Betrayal, Jorstak did find a bunch of like data pad entries from Fablegloom from other dwarves that he, you know, tortured to force them to speak the truth. And then we all know what happens to them once they do that. And so that will come to light, I am sure. And even if it doesn't, I will share it with you guys. Uh, whether you can share that as, as characters or not, I don't know. But it'll be fun for you guys to know. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, his character is really interesting. I told, and, and I think this is a cool thing that a lot of GMs could do when they're introducing the game to a bunch of uh, 
of new players is more like ask what what they want to play versus like showing them a bunch of different things and i was like what do you envision your character being and so i let him just describe it in a story and so then i presented a few options to him and what we ended up doing his character is really cool and i'm saying this because even if we have this battle with fable gloom it's not going to come out exactly what his class is but he is a gloom stalker ranger which is kind of like this it's a ranger that is almost similar to a a rogue and how they can sneak around and they have a lot of ambush attacks that aren't as powerful as sneak attack but that are pretty versatile mixed with ba with battlemaster so he is three levels gloomstalker three levels battlemaster so he has all these pretty cool maneuvers and then the the two blends of races gives him some interesting abilities and so i think he's i think he's going to be pretty fun I, I think that the challenge for him is going to be remembering what he can do because it's probably one of the characters I've seen the most things that they can do. Yeah, so, as I was cool. saying, just knowing those two classes, yeah, he's gonna have a ton of options and like what to do and when to do it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It is a fascinating class though. Yeah, which then I guess that kind of brings us to the biggest topic of the day, which is Fable Gloom yeah we've been hyping him up <laughs> or her or it mortals fable gloom is here what did, what i want to know like did uh did he did he live up to the hype i mean obviously you haven't, you haven't battled with him yet you haven't negotiated with him yet but is he a character so far that is going to forever stick in your guys's minds what are your thoughts that there was so much build up to fable gloom and like anticipation and meeting him um and it it was very i don't want to say like well i'm currently tied up and so i don't want to say anticlimactic but it was just like oh and now he's here and <laughs> he has a gun pointing at atlas and alice has a gun pointing at him and ray's tied up and it all happened very suddenly um so mm -hmm. i'm I'm curious to just get to know this Fable Gloom character um, because there's there's a lot of hype around him. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Nathan? I think that Fable Gloom... I don't know. The... I... To clarify... Wait, yeah, no, we already went over this. So basically, Fail of Gloom, his or his, her, it's he's immortal. <laughs> not, he's not. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Whatever we'll he thinks out. he is, but uh, no, honestly, the character's sick. Like the armor and just like the shield and sword and everything is just. Yeah, I was like, I honestly was just like, oh, I want it all kind of thing. <laughs> but like the greedy decided he came out. Alice is going to kill him and then take all his stuff. I admit, though... Oh, also, the the awesome thing, too, with the... Uh, he has, like... It reminded me of, like, Gundams. Like, you know those, like, little drone things? Like, with the... Oh, like how the, the like, little drones came off as pauldrons? Like, four mm -hmm. of them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was sick. Um, but, yeah, now it's, like... I don't know. As Atlas, I'm kind of... Well, as actually more probably Nathan, I'm more 
Um, kind of split in the middle of like wanting, like obviously knowing kind of like a little bit of what his, like his whole deal kind of thing is. I don't know. Really, obviously, Alice doesn't know everything, but I just, then as the player, because Nathan kicks him, like, what if this guy could like teach me or like give me, I don't know, like, uh, because it seems as if he's trying to go against the guild, right? And the guild's experimenting and doing all this crazy stuff. Mm. But at the same time, well, no, because he hunts for the guild. I don't know, I'm kind of split in the middle with that. Because almost a part of me wants to have like him as like a teacher, in a sense. <laughs> or like, I don't know, I just, I'll be honest though too, I just want all this stuff. <laughs> the stuff's pretty good if you can get it. I feel like it takes a lot of humility for Atlas to say he wants a teacher. Well, I will say in this situation, as much as it hurts me to say, Atlas is as much bravado or whatever that he has with going like facing Fable Gloom. Um, it's he's not very confident, but his pride kicks in. And like kind of overshadows that, um, so we'll see. But his greatest Atlas's greatest sin was ever his pride. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that he's, is true. I think the biggest thing too, because I remember we talked about a little bit before, but was that yeah, kind of seeing everything and then knowing him and then seeing him as actually like a like a almost like a worthy adversary that's not. Like a creature, a monster, as far as I know, as of yet, he looks like a humanoid, at least in, yes. as for now. But he, he or she, yeah. But basically, Fable Gloom. I don't know. It's like a his obviously, like you said, with his pride, it kicked in. So now it's more of a test of strength in a sense. Like he, Alice almost kind of wants to know too, because obviously, like I said, with the teacher thing, is like if this guy's more powerful, then in a sense, then. Alice could learn something from him, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's more just Alice needs to know who's like more like who's just stronger in a sense because he's calling everyone morals and everything, acting like he's on this pedestal, a god. <laughs> you are C two, the strongest in the universe, Nathan. <laughs> okay. I gotta, I gotta prove yeah, it. Yeah, I gotta prove so it. So it's I gotta, time to it's like a trademark <laughs> to prove it. I will say, um, it's it's interesting because when I'm comparing strength levels of, say, Fable Gloom to the Hydras, when you guys face the Hydras, the the Hydras definitely had more HP. They had way less things they could do, but they were super heavy hitters. And that made, and they're, by the challenge rating, they're way above you guys in challenge rating. I don't, I don't think Fable Gloom is a, is like that, but he is a comparable boss level character to where you guys are. Um, so we could theoretically take him out. Oh, you definitely could, but it's his, but his right now it's a 1v1 because Ray's out. <laughs> Ray's tied up. She's knocked Ray's out. Ray's not out. I'm not knocked out, am I? You are knocked out. Oh, I'm knocked out. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the little bit of backstory behind that is basically Ray was out looking, doing a, you know, look about, making sure everything was on the up and up. In the time period that Jorstak, Atlas, and Ostrad went outside, Ray was walking around the other side of the building, went in, and went through the fireplace and was ambushed by Fable Gloom. And the reason for that, and the reason why I'm going to be fair about Ray kind of coming back to her senses pretty quickly, is Courtney had to go feed a baby. So <laughs> we had yeah. to have an excuse for why she left, and this provided enough of like some drama. Yes. But yeah it's an epic moment yeah honestly yeah yeah, i can't wait it's gonna be it's like yeah it's like the whole test of strength or like pride versus pride in a sense because obviously this person fable gloom i don't know if it's pride or just confidence but calling people mortals i'm gonna say it's pride yeah Uh, like i feel like if it was just confidence although if he is or he he or she if they're more than a mortal then uh so be it. Maybe it's just confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, what if he really does have some like immortal abilities? Doesn't matter to Atlas. He just has to go in swinging. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's the only thing that works for Atlas. He, just, he goes in swinging. If it doesn't work, well, so be it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pumped. Me too. I'm pretty pumped. So I, I don't think. It's either going to be like a boss level fight that's going to kind of like put a a cap on our mid season, or it's going to be like a boss level tense negotiation. And either one's going to be fun. And I don't, you know, obviously I personally would love a, a battle, but <laughs> yeah. I also I can understand why you guys wouldn't want to. So the only, I just don't see the negotiation happening because all our, all our negotiators are either knocked out or gone. Like Alice, well, I mean, I mean you does... keep stepping up as a leader. You could negotiate this. You're forgetting one more person. Oh, Jorstag. Jorstag. Oh, yeah, he's Jorstag. down there too. One of the last things that uh, Jordan said was, "I want to talk to, I want to talk to Fable Gloom. I want to learn everything he knows." There That's we go. So we'll see what happens. Ba-ba-bum. But the but the ball is in my court, I think, and it might come. I think I'm going to bring it down to a roll because Nathan finished it off with a great move where he kind of more or less potentially challenged Fable Gloom. So. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sometimes I regret my decisions, but yeah. Honestly, as Alice though, I feel like I had to. It was like a knocked out his comrade. Not really much else to do. Doesn't know where Jorstack is. He didn't come with them. So <laughs> he's kind of yeah. just like, he doesn't like, it's kind of like live or die in that situation. Yeah. I think what I'll do, and so that our our avid listeners can be on the lookout for it and enjoy in this, I think I'm going to leave it on the precipice and I'm just going to roll a die 20 and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask one of you guys to call it. I'm going to say odds negotiates evens fights or whatever can we call it after you roll (laughs) like i'll I'll roll it and hide it and you guys don't see it no no can you roll it and we can see it and then call it no so i think we'll let you guys call it and we'll roll and we'll see 
what his first response is, and we go from Ooh. there. So, so then it will just be like Atlas versus Fablegloom. Yeah, until I've knocked out. Yeah, but I think right away every every um, round I'll give you a pretty low DC. Okay. Like probably ten. Okay. And have you roll that as like a wisdom save? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I would assume she's probably been knocked out for a little bit, so she probably wake up eventually. Or like. Yeah. And and I, I'm sure you probably put this together, and it was well, this was in the episode, but Steve Tristbeard was leading all of them on, and he was basically giving somehow Fable Gloom got into contact with Steve, and Steve tried to bargain for his life. And was like, I'll give you everyone's stuff, information. I'll keep you up to date. I'll let you know. And once we get to the outpost where you can grab all the other dwarves, then I get to walk away scot-free. Fable Gloom agreed. And the reason why Fable Gloom killed Steve Tristbeard right off the bat, which is probably not too different of a reason that I think Atlas might do something like this. Fable Gloom killed him because he promised him freedom and... Fable Gloom sees him as a traitor to his own kind. Yeah. Yeah, the thing, first thing that popped in my head just now, because I forgot that Fable Gloom killed him, I was already thinking about, like, I was just going to throw the G straight through him. <laughs> like, if he was still alive. <laughs> that would be pretty epic. Yeah. I you if, you if you haven't heard it, like, the audio work for when uh, Fable Gloom kills Steve is so good. Sorry for anyone out there actually named Steve, but you just, <laughs> yeah, you got... Yeah, trust you. Destroyed. The one Steve we do know just fractured his ribs. Yeah, that does suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, guys. I can't unless, wait. Yeah. Everything hangs in the balance, and unless you guys have anything more, I think. Yeah. That's a wrap. Then, as they say, this is a good place to call it, and we'll see you guys next month for sure. We will have one more episode with Clive as he goes deeper and deeper into the mind of bookkeeper Thama to get the information that the dread Captain Timble desires. And then we will have whatever happens with Fable Gloom. And if there is another episode after that, whether it's the Fable Gloom episode is a battle and it gets cut into two, or there's, you know, the putting the pieces together and letting all the goodbyes happen as Jorstadt goes his own way. We will find out, but keep on the keep on the lookout for those two episodes, and potentially a Q and A. Um, but we will let you know in the episode which one is marking the the break for us. And uh, as they say, see you later, spacers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.